Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hum. The world of technology and healthcare ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways, which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. Today, we'll be talking about patient experience outside the four walls of the hospital. And be sure to follow the show on social media, hashtag HITSM, and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our six, 17 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. Well, I haven't been in the hospital, but uh, it's felt like my home was a hospital these last five days, so that's why my voice is terrible. Uh, so this is a poignant one for me. <laughs> yeah, no, and and you know, uh, we'll we'll try not to tax your voice today, John, <laughs> which is a sort of a polite way to say maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll spend even more time talking today on today's Ooh, episode. <laughs> I should talk less. Listen more. <laughs> I'm sure I speak on for all, on behalf of all listeners when I say we hope you feel better soon, John. Yeah, me too. We'll carry we, on. <laughs> we 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 want we want that growl back at the opening. It's not the same without the John growl at the beginning. Attempted it, a little partial, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is a great topic. It's uh, it's very timely as well, as you can tell if you're look, looking at the video. Uh, you'll notice a new banner behind me for the. Uh, sway.health publication that we launched uh, not not too long ago. And it's going to be the home now for stories related to patient experience. And, uh, you know, if you have a technology or if you have a success story around patient experience, we want to know about it. And we're happy to tell that story on this new publication, Sway Health. So this is a very timely topic. Yeah. But uh, maybe we can start off, John, talking about a, a very personal story. It, have you... Can you share your own personal experience with care outside the hospital and how it made you feel in terms of that getting that care outside the four walls? So mine's been very non-traditional, or it's traditional for anyone in healthcare. I think where you know a lot of doctors, you use the back channels, right? And you see, you know, when uh, my kid uh, has a wrist that's sprained, I text my ortho friend, and when. I had ENT issues this weekend. I DM'd my ENT friend in Georgia and said, hey, what's up? Can you help? And so I think that's the interesting thing. It's like, that's what we all want, right? Like, you know, and the the crazy thing for me is that in so many cases, and not always, sometimes they say, yeah, John, you better go in. Uh, they need to do this or, you know, but that was even an example, right? I, I sliced my foot one time uh, and I'd wrapped it up and had a plane incident. It was actually at TSA where I sliced it. So that was quite a, I didn't know TSA was a medical unit, but anyway, they had some medical stuff and I had to do it myself, of course, but they put my bloody shoes through the <laughs> scanner. Cause of course I'm trying to sneak in something, but anyway, and then I, I got home and I was like, should I get stitches or not? Right. I mean, just something so simple. And so I used my back channels and I wanted this, you know, I had this amazing patient experience because I went to my friend and I said, Hey, here's what it looks like. What do you think? He's like, yeah, John, you need to go in and get it stitched. Cause if you don't within 24 hours, then you're not there. And I was like, all right, now it's worth the effort to go into the urgent care, which sadly there's only one open in all of Las Vegas. Like something's wrong with that. But anyway, uh, I went to the urgent care and got it right. But it made for this amazing patient experience 
to have someone to say, am I crazy? Do I need to go in? And in many ways, it's almost more patient navigation is what I'm talking about here. There's some other stuff on the back end that's interesting as well. But that patient navigation piece changes the patient experience. Because if, you know, I've been sick the last week, two weeks, I didn't want to go into the doctor because I'm tired and sick and have a cough. Do I need to? Is it worth it? Is it going to resolve? You know, like all of this is going through my head. And so having someone in my home that could say, hey, John, I think you're going to be fine. Just rest. Maybe take this antibiotic. Eventually, the drone will bring it to me, right? Uh, <laughs> Amazon will bring it to me. But yeah, so anyway, that's been my experience is that this is the future of what everyone should have is what we are able to have when we have lots of friends in healthcare. <laughs> John, when I hear you tell that story, I can't help but think about this might be the modern version of the village doctor, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, but your village is your friend network, right? Like you called up someone you trusted, uh, you're able to confer with them. They were able to tell you and guide you to, you know, the, the, the best care that you should be getting and the most appro- more appropriate care, right? So you didn't waste time going to an ER when you didn't need to, right? You got confirmation of that. It's kind of what we use the village doctor for, right? Like, he, you know, hey doc, uh, is something wrong with me? Like, oh no, you know, that's fine. You know, it's normal. And that's what they would do. I mean, it's kind of like the modern equivalent of that. And and you're right. That is what we want. I mean, that's kind of the experience. We want to connect with someone we trust, have them give us good advice, uh, minimize our exposure to the healthcare system because of cost and inconvenience. And in the end, you probably felt really good about the care you got, right? Yeah. <laughs> like everyone walked away happy. <laughs> so yep. um, it is interesting, the risk that they're afraid of, right? Like that's and they're always very gentle with how they say stuff and what they offer and not to treat you, not to different do different things, but uh, it's interesting. Yeah, no. And, you know, I think I won't say my story that's similar to yours, but yeah, I mean, I use, I feel fortunate that I have some doctor friends that I can call up and, and have a conversation with and, and, you know, in certain areas to get, to get advice before I go to the hospital or before I get care. So that's a, that's a privilege that we enjoy being in this industry. So I, Wait, I definitely... so in Canada, you have to do that too. You don't just go in and get your free care anytime because it's easy access, free care. We totally get free care, but you know, whether or not you want to wait for it, right? Like, so, you know, do you want to spend four hours in an ED when you don't have to? For the same reason that you did, right? Like, you know, do you really need to go in? Should I bother burdening the system even more? Um, and so you, you, I go check sometimes with my doc friends to say, hey, you know, is this serious enough? Um, so yeah, we all use the back channel. And I think that's that's sort of our general experience. But I, I will say one other experience that I had personally was was trying to find a nurse um, from when my dad was going through cancer. Um, and when my grandmother w- was going through uh, her health issues towards the end of her life, like the, the personal experience I got um, there, I guess you can say couldn't be more stark. Um, you know, we had the public system, which was trying to help me but they were burdened and really didn't give a lot of assistance in connecting me with the right kind of care. And, and it was a nightmare to navigate. Like they, they were just not easy to navigate. I had to go to one agency, to another agency, to another agency to finally get on some waiting list. And then there was no communication as to how long I was going to be waiting or not waiting. And in the meantime, you know, the loved one was, was at home and, or we wanted them to be home and getting care. So ended up because we we're fortunate, you know, we got private care. And um, that private company was really good 
at um, at helping us. And it was really nice. And the experience was really good. And they really helped us navigate actually the main system. They were like, okay, we can help you with this and you should pay us for this out of pocket. But for all this stuff, we'll help you navigate the system so you can get the care you need from the main system so you don't have to pay us, right? And I thought that was a great experience. Like how how great was that where this company could have charged me for something, mm-hmm. but they didn't. And they instead helped me to navigate the system and and I found that experience to be amazing. And and again, going back to what you said before, I think that's the kind of care that people want. That's the experience people want mm-hmm. to have um, someone who cares about them, who help them navigate and get them good care. It took me back to ZDog MD and his turntable health, which I was a member of for a year or so. Like I actually thought about it this week. I was like, man, if I had turntable health, I would have gone in and they would have navigated me through this. Because I was dealing with some... GI, <laughs> ENT, <laughs> uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, you know, like it wasn't just one system. So I wasn't like, do I go to the ENT? Do I go to gastro? Do I, you know, like, so it, it was, you know, confusing. I, I wish I had someone like what you just described, right? And that's what ZDog MD had put together. Sadly, uh, the death of the Nevada health co-op insurance <laughs> uh, kind of destroyed that idea. But, you know, it, it's interesting. I think that's what most of us want is because the health system is so complicated. We want someone who help us navigate it in a way that we're getting the best care possible and also not wasting our time and resources. So right. uh, uh, it's interesting. That's the core of patient experience, like I, getting the best care and not wasting <laughs> Couldn't right now, it more. feels like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's funny you bring up a, a, a great company that that in the past, you know, was a, was doing some things to improve patient experience outside of the four walls of the hospital. But let me ask you this, John: Are there any interesting technologies or companies that that you've seen that have already been deployed that are helping improve the experience outside of the clinic and the hospitals? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, go to healthcare IT today, click the list of uh, remote patient monitoring vendors. There's a few hundred right there, right? I, like it, you know, it's interesting though. The number of companies has has really ballooned, but we haven't seen the hockey stick growth, which I think is actually a kind of a good thing for those companies uh, versus the telehealth companies. Because what happens with hockey sticks is they, they hockey stick down as well, right. which is they what we've seen with down. telehealth. Yeah. And so the RPM ones have a bit, you know, have seen more interest, I think, in saying, how do we use this and how do we approach mm. this? And we've seen some successful ones, you know, Carium's done some really interesting things with remote monitoring of them. Amazon Care, right? Obviously, they saw enough interest to acquire uh, Crossover Health, and I forget the company that Crossover bought, but uh, you know, to to provide those virtual, and we'll see how that all plays out. There's a company that I see over and over that's really dramatically changing this situation, which is Baby Scripts. Mm. It's a company that uh, it makes sense because when you're having a baby. Most of the care happens outside of the hospital. Now you're going to the doctor all the time. That's crazy too. But you're also not in front of a doctor a lot of times, right? Not in the nine months. So Baby Scripts is doing some interesting things in, in providing that care and helping educate these moms and helping to monitor how the moms are doing to prevent 
you know, issues. So I think that's one that's been really interesting. That's very niche, uh, but powerful. And I've heard a lot of great successes from health systems with baby scripts. Uh, another one that I like is a smart meter. Uh, the reason I like smart meter is they said, forget about Bluetooth. We're going to just use cell signal. So <laughs> talk about patient experience, right? It's like, hey, you, we're just going to send you the device and it's going to work. Now, there's a cost associated with it, right? The smart meter has. But I love the smart meter devices because they are like, do you remember when Amazon Kindle came out? Yes. There was the yep. e-ink, right? Which was really cool and interesting and had long battery life and all this. But the most interesting thing was that it had an always-on internet connection to download whatever books you wanted. Now, granted, they were downloading small books, right? Like it was all sorts of things. But it was it was transformational in, in that it's like, yeah, it just has a 3G, I think at the time, uh, you know, card in it and it can download whatever books you want. Well, I feel like that's what smart meters doing with their devices. Uh, will the cost come down? I think there's some regulatory challenges there that I hope that can be overcome uh, so that the price can come down. But to me, that's the epitome of this discussion of patient experience. Like, send me some devices, I plug them in, I use them, and now everything's monitored. That's powerful. Yeah, I, I again totally agree with you. And and one company that comes to mind for me is Tidal Care, right? I, I've mm-hmm. I've done a few uh, demos and and I've uh, seen them a few times at conferences. I always love going over and seeing what they have new. I mean, they've taken the time to make their devices. They're a remote, remote patient monitoring company, but they've made their devices and they've really thought about the patient experience and the clinician experience. They've made both relatively easy. Right, They're, you're able to do chest sounds, and they they guide you. The device guides you where to put it. Right, uh, they have really great educational material that uh, people can look at and watch um, to to figure out how to use these tools at home. The ergonomics of the of their devices is very cool. So they've just sort of thought more about the entirety of the experience versus just the clinical side of okay, I need something to just gather the telemetry. Uh, and they've also thought, of course, on the other end, like making it easy for the clinician to actually read and get the information from those devices. And as you said, they work on Wi-Fi and cellular, right? So you can have both. Um, another company that uh, I think is doing a lot of really interesting things uh, to help the patient experience outside the four walls of a clinic or a hospital is is Folks Health. And um, there's an upcoming interview that I did with the the new CEO of Folks Health. They, they are um, a company that, that offers uh, telehealth services to a very, very niche uh, and uh, a niche audience, right? Who has trouble getting care from the mainstream uh, healthcare organizations? But what they've done to connect people together um, and really uh, educate, or not really educate, but really allow their uh, clinicians to establish personal relationships with their patients is amazing. They they allow them to you know go ahead and ask them about other things. It's not all just about volume uh, here. Uh, and that to me is just amazing. That again goes back to what we talked about at the top. That is the experience that people want, right? To to feel that whoever is on the other side of the telehealth visit actually cares about them. So those are two companies that come to mind. I know Eruptor is doing some amazing things as well with companies um, uh, helping them uh, reach out to patients uh, more at home. Qualtrics is doing some amazing things with with trying to bring uh, the the uh, learnings from other industries like retail and, you know, to healthcare and, and, and help people with deliveries and, and, you know, or sorry, measure the deliveries and the experience of, of care outside of the, of the hospital. So lots of interesting technologies being played with there. 
Yeah, I mean, you bring up an interesting point about the experience is that we don't need another device. Right. And that's not how we're going to solve things in healthcare. It's not the iPhone, right? That if I put an iPhone in your hand, your health's going to improve, right? You know, you know, when we put iPhones in people's hands, life improved. <laughs> people learned it, right? I don't think the same is going to happen in healthcare. We can't just put a, a, a blood pressure monitoring device in every home and like that's going to make things better, right? Like it is, you need that full process flow solution that understands the life cycle of the data and the, you know, and, and your individual health, et cetera, you know, to, and how does that incorporate with the existing health system? And I, I think that's where we're still waiting, waiting for the right packaging, maybe for people to package all these devices and data and analytics and AI into this thing that they can say, oh, I can solve these solutions better. Uh, you know, we see the potential right now, right? Uh, but I don't think it's quite been packaged uh, well enough for a lot of uh, organizations. And so I, I think that's where we're going to see the biggest innovation is combining these different companies and solutions together into a package that's really powerful. The other thing is, I, I think we, we you know, when we talk about the home, there's also like the discharge after home. Mm. And some interesting companies for me in that space is the, you know, the secure text message companies, if you will, like Perfect Serve, Tiger Connect, that that have patient modules now. And so they really are moving that care to the home. And, and, you know, it's, it's a little different than the conversation before, but I think those types of companies are providing an amazing patient experience. Whereas before you'd go and you're like, hmm, do I want to call the nurse call line and wait on hold? And, you know, like, or I could just text and they can answer quickly. And, and that's just such a better patient experience that opens up more uh, responses from patients and quicker responses from the clinicians. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today, we're talking about patient experience beyond the four walls of the hospital or clinic. Today's episode is actually sponsored by Sway Health, our new uh, publication. So we would love for you to check out our great content at Sway, that's with two A's, S-W-A-A-Y dot health, where you'll find a lot of great content around healthcare marketing, communications, PR, patient experience, and uh, patient acquisition. John, let me ask you this question. Uh, I'm curious to know your answer to this. Are you worried that the potential decline in telehealth due to all the reimbursement changes uh, and or reverting back to pre-pandemic and also just the, you know, people not finding the technology maybe as helpful as as they once thought it was. Do you think that will negatively impact patient experience? I mean, I think it has, right? Like, did I look at any telehealth options this last week? No. And maybe I should have. <laughs> I think that I have a free... I think it's Teladoc, if I remember right, with my insurance. But did I go check it out? No. I didn't know the details. There was unknown, right? Unknown of what they could offer. What's the scope of practice? They, all, all these things that are questions for it, right? Where uh, make it hard to, I think, for us as patients and, and make it for a bad patient experience because the worst thing you can do is go on a telehealth visit and then they say, oh, you need to come into the office. And you're like, oh, Really? I just did this and now I, <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, one, 
And to uh, if if I'm not sure how much it's going to cost me, or you know, and then on the provider side, how much they're going to get paid for it, it's definitely impacting them. You know, I can't wait for the day that telehealth is health. You know, it's it it, it doesn't matter which one you do, and that it's available regardless. Uh, you know, we've had talked about this before. We need to find what works in telehealth, what doesn't, a little better. But uh, I think that's where we'll get. Yeah, one of the one of the most disappointing things that uh, you know has come to light recently with some of the reversion back to pre-pandemic is that you can no longer use telehealth to establish a new relationship with a patient. You have to have a pre-existing relationship with that patient in order to get reimbursed for telehealth. And I think that is really unfortunate because uh, obviously it will limit access to care, right? So it means I have to physically come and see you first before then I can maybe get telehealth services from you. And as we know, telehealth does really help people in, uh, especially when they need to see a specialist who may be far away uh, or, or for these people who maybe just don't have access, ready access to transportation. So to your point, I think it can't help itself in terms of declining patient experience because of what we're seeing with telehealth. I think it's sad. Now, I think in some cases, though, legitimately, maybe telehealth wasn't the best option. So I'm not saying that, you know, telehealth should be staying at the levels we saw at the pandemic. But I think with the decline in telehealth, we're definitely going to see a decline in patient experience because they're just that option is just not on the table. I mean, even for you, it wasn't something you thought about anymore, right? Yeah. Right away went to something in person. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that uh, we may end up seeing a two-tier system mm. where kind of the rich have access to telehealth anytime they want. Right. And uh, in some ways, that's direct primary care. Let's, yeah, that's kind of how they approach it. Right. As uh, anytime access that you want. Um, you know, so I think, you know, when you look at that, I, I'm, that's what I'm afraid of is there's going to be a two tiered one where if you can afford to pay for it, yeah, you'll just do it. Cause then, yeah, who, it, you know, if I'm rich, unlimited telehealth is cheap. Right. Like that's, that's easy to have. Right. And so, uh, you know, but to do that at scale across the population, that's where it's hard. And so, I, I, unfortunately, I think that's where it's headed, where it's going to become a health equity thing, where the rich are going to have access to telehealth and any other sort of services they need that way, uh, in, in a really dramatic way that's going to be powerful for them. Uh, and then the poor, you know, aren't going to have access to that because they can't pay out of pocket or whatever it might be. So, unfortunately, I think it's going to drive more health equity issues. Uh, you know, which of course lead to bad patient experience as well. No, totally agree. So, final question for you, John: um, Will we reach? A, will we ever reach a point? Do you think, uh, given that we've talked so much about care at the home and, and and you know remote patient monitoring tools getting more and more sophisticated, and are we going to reach a point where we have an ICU at the home? Yeah, I mean, when you think about all the measurements we have, uh, you know. Let's go back to where we started. Uh, my uh, girlfriend was worried about my hydration, of course, because I'm not drinking as much, right? And I'm not, you know, whatever, because uh, I'm sick and I have a fever and all this, right? And so she's like, you need to drink plenty. Well, you know, I have a Wything scale. And when I get on it, at the end, it tells me 48.9% hydrated, 52% hydrated. And so I actually literally told her, I was like, yeah, this morning I woke up and I was 48.8. I'm usually about 51. So I'm not too bad. I'm doing all right. <laughs> you know, this morning I woke up at 49.8. And I'm like, yeah, see, I'm doing pretty good. My hydration's doing pretty well. Okay, that's not a full ICU, but that's a preview of what's possible. And when you look at 
companies, even you know, big big companies like Massimo is at Hims. They had this this uh, not even an island. It was it was like a continent, uh, you know, <laughs> where where it was like a hospital room that was showing the ICU, you know, ICU. And could that be in the home? All of their devices could be in the home. There's no there's no reason a device couldn't be there to do that monitoring at home. So yeah, I, I think for sure we're headed that direction and that the devices are going to be so accessible and so easy to use. And with the stuff like smart meter that I mentioned, that's totally connected instantly without having to go through the hub, et cetera, it's going to be powerful. I mean, I somewhat agree with you, kind of not agree with you in one sense. I think we're still far away from people trusting an, uh, the equipment that an ICU would provide at their home. So I, I, th- I think that technology-wise, we'll get there, no doubt. Um, you know, maybe not a robotic AI-controlled robot that will help you at home uh, for a while. But they're not going to come do the surgery in the home. The robot. Yeah, I think the monitoring equipment and all those kinds of things. I think definitely um, will be there. Um, however, I'm not sure there's going to be willingness to use it, right? Like, you know, you want to have an ICU in your home, maybe if you're remote, but I think the majority of people may still opt to go, you know what, I'd rather be in a place where there's like a dozen nurses on the floor, right? Yeah, and and that the, the, the specialist can be paged with an over, you know, with a pager when I need it, as opposed to me relying on this device to do it, this one device, right? Like, and I get regular uh, rounds of things. I, I just... I think it'll be a while. I think culturally, it might take a little bit longer to get to the point of having an ICU in the home than technologically. Yeah. Well, and it depends on, and maybe ICU is a slight overstatement, but you know, you could you could get almost that quality of data without that severity of disease, right? Right. So, you know, we could send the devices to have the ICU level data for someone who's in very stable condition that doesn't need the 10 nurses around, Right. But that is at risk for something and maybe needs to be, you know, monitored that way. So to me, that's where I see it playing out. Sure. If you're in high risk and if something spikes, the nurse needs to be there. Well, we're not discharging you anyway. Right. But if you're in stable condition, but at risk for something spiking, I think that's where it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I hope that's that's going to be the case. I mean, obviously, ICU is probably one of the most expensive places to be in the hospital. So, hey, if we can do it at the home, I think it'll be better for everybody, certainly from a cost perspective. So I'm all for it. I, I think it'll just, it's going to take some time to get there. But but it's, it is encouraging at least to see the technology um, getting us there pretty quickly. Hey, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hong, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.